Show. A good Saturday morning to you. Rothenberg with you right here on 98.7 ESPN. Well, the Islanders and the Bruins best of seven. It has been some terrific hockey and we're going to get uh, deep into it this morning. A lot to get into. We'll, we'll run through each um, each game with a fine tooth comb and, and go through one and hear some sound and Barry Trotz and uh, the Casey Sezikis goal, the huge goal in game two. Uh, giveaways today. We'll look ahead to what we have coming up in the series. So you want to go nowhere. You want your hockey fix, your local hockey fix. This is the place to get it right here. It's the Hockey Show at 98.7 ESPN. Before we even get rolling and look back at where we are and how we got to the Bruins leading two games to one heading into um, into game four later today, we have an autographed New York Islanders puck to give away. Very easy to enter. Just text Isles, I-S-L-E-S, to 44202. Again, that's Isles to 44202. We'll select a winner at random and send you the signed puck. It's all from your home for the hookup. Your good friends right here at 98.7 ESPN. So last Saturday, a week ago, game one up in Boston. The Islanders visiting the Bruins. Bruins, of course, with home ice. We get started in this one. Period one at 11.48. The Islanders draw first blood. Anthony Bovillier uh, with his fourth of the postseason on the power play, which certainly uh, is important for the Islanders to get success with that man advantage. Uh, Bovillier's fourth, as I mentioned, of the postseason. Eberle and Dobson with helpers. And at 11.48 of period one, the Islanders take a one to nothing lead. It didn't last throughout the period, though. And these are the backbreakers during postseason games. Goals early in periods and late in periods. And on the power play at 19.36, David Pasternak, uh, his third of the postseason, season ties the game at one uh Krejci and Bergeron with the assist end of one period of play heading into the second your score is one one then at 1108 well not very dissimilar from what we saw the Bruins uh tie the game at one Pasternak again uh his fourth now of the postseason Bergeron and Marchand with helpers on that one and the Bruins took a 2-1 lead but it didn't last for long at all only about a minute and 26 seconds at 1234 uh of period number two Adam Pellick with the goal uh Komarov and Eberle with the assist and at the end of two periods of play we were a flat-footed tie, 2-2. Two to two. But third period did not go well for the Islanders. At 6-20, Long Island native Charlie McAvoy with the goal, his first of the playoffs. Krejci with the assist, 3-2, Bruins 15-50. Of the uh, third period, David Pasternak with the goal, his third of the game. That's what we call a hat trick. His fifth of the postseason, it was unassisted, 4-2. And at 1835, with the man advantage, the Bruins iced this one away. Uh, Taylor Hall with the goal on the power play. Mike Riley and Krejci with the assist. 5-2 is your final in that one. So the Islanders fall 5-2 in the first game of the series. Barry Tross was asked right after this one, how did you feel 2-2 heading into period three? We knew they were going to come out with a push, obviously, uh, full building, lots of energy. I thought we, we managed the first pretty well. I thought I looked at the shot clock. I didn't feel like it was that many. I think they had a happy finger on the on the shot clock a little bit. They were just throwing pucks there. I didn't feel when I went into the office between periods, the chances were pretty even. So I, I thought we managed the, the first period pretty well. Second period, uh, I thought we were okay. We got stuck in our end a little bit just by not managing the puck as well as we need to. And then we got it tied up. 
obviously a 2-2. I felt pretty good in the third and the third goal right after the power play there. I just, uh, that that one that one hurt and I, we were, we sort of regained our composure, started coming. We had a couple looks and then obviously the fourth one was the nail in the coffin. So obviously the head coach, Yonder, is not uh, too despondent over the chances and shots on goal, but shots, big difference, okay? Boston with 40 to the Islanders, 22 in game one. So the Islanders fall behind one nothing in this series, and Barry Trotz was asked, did you get enough chances in game one? The chances were were um, pretty even after two periods. It's The problem is, is we passed up some looks some, sometimes when we can put it in play, you know, drive the net where we're looking for that next play a little bit uh, too much tonight, and it, it quite wasn't there. And... You know, therefore, you take your, your yourself out of an opportunity. But we had we had some opportunities over the t- two periods. I thought they were pretty even. Uh, when I do look at the chances, uh, they, they will be. But they threw a lot of pucks from the from the you know the point, especially in the first period. They were just throwing it back to the net all the time. So one game in the books, Islanders trail, best of seven, one game to none, but not unfamiliar territory for this club. And then you look at game two on Monday night and you say, this is a must win for the Islanders. How did we um, get there? Well, let, let's run through this one. So I, I think the Islanders fan probably had a little bit of a nervous breakdown. You, you trailed this game early on at 238 of the first period. Islanders in uh, unfortunately familiar territory falling behind in these games. Charlie Coyle with the goal, uh, Kuhlman and, and Richie with the assist, one nothing. Bruins on that last all the way through the first period. The second period, the Islanders completely dominate at 652. Josh Bailey with the goal, his fourth of the postseason on the power play. Another power play goal for the Islanders. Brock Nelson and Kyle Palmieri with the helpers. And now we're 1-1. About four minutes later at 11 minutes of period number two. Kyle Palmieri lights the lamp, his fourth of the postseason. Uh, Letty and, and John Gabriel Pajot with the assist, and we're 2-1 Islanders. Pajot then on the power play again. So the Islanders power play uh, clicking so far in this series at 17-21. Pajot with the goal, his second of the postseason. Bavillier and Barzell with the assist, and at the end of two periods of play, the Islanders fan felt great, 3-1 Isles third period not so great at 1034 and that's when you start to get yourself a little bit nervous at 1034 Patrice uh, Bergeron with the goal Marshan and Pasternak with the assist and the lead is cut in half Islanders three and the Bruins two and then you panic at 1506 on the power play Brad Marshan with the goal Charlie McAvoy with the assist and it's 3-3 and we go to overtime and I don't even know what the numbers are, what the stats happen to be, but really a rational hockey fan looks at it and says to themselves, if we lose this game and fall behind 2 nothing to this Bruins team, Odds are distinctly against us to win this series. But you know what? At 14.48 of overtime for the Islanders, it was good news. Zizekas on a breakaway. Casey skates it alone on Tukarez. Shoots. He scores! Casey Zizekas! A breakaway overtime game-winning goal! The Islanders win it 4-3! If only Chris King on 9870 SPM would get a little bit excited when the Islanders scored a big goal, we would greatly appreciate that. But the Islanders get the win, 4-3, heading back to the island, one game apiece. Let's take a listen. Casey Sezikis after the game on the game-winning goal. You know, I, just, I knew that D-man was going to be tracking me hard, just you know, skate as fast as I can, and I get a shot off, and you know, I was able to beat him. A tremendous goal. You know, you could almost say series-saving goal because to lose a 3-1 lead on the road in the third period and to not get the win in that game would have been really, really devastating to the Islanders. Barry Trotz after the game. What did it mean to have Sezika score that game winner? 
This is a sort of a character win for us, and there's no one that has bigger character in our dressing room and, and is more loved than, than Casey. Uh, he gives you everything he's got, shift in and shift out. Total team guy, great teammate, all that. And uh, for him to score a big goal like that, I, I, I guarantee you, when he came in, our room exploded with uh, with guys hugging him and, and all that when he did the uh, the post-game interview. So that is something that, you know, that that's what makes this group very special is they, they, they love to spend time together. They love playing and being accountable to each other. And uh, everybody's a hero in our room. And Casey's one of those guys that does everything for us. They are a resilient bunch, and the Islanders get the win. Uh, 4-3, your final, and they now knot the series at one game apiece. More Barry Trotz. Here he is on his team's win. I liked our game. I just talk about our whole game, really. I, I thought for 50 minutes, we were pretty solid. I liked the pressure. I liked our, our structure. I liked our effort. I liked a lot of things of our game. And it was 3-1. There was a couple of 3-1. We had a breakaway. Bavillier had open net, and we, we didn't capitalize on that. And then, you know, the period ends, and you know you knew they were going to have a push. I thought we were really good for the first about nine, nine and a half minutes of the third period. We were, we were playing very well. We were doing the right things. And then they scored that goal on long shift. I think it was a Bergeron goal you know, high in the slot there our defenseman sort of screened our goalie I think that we were we were going to survive that but we just ended up screening our own guy a little bit and then, and then uh, you know they scored a big power play goal and then you know obviously we we were on our heels a little bit but I thought we regrouped and had an opportunity on the power play at the end didn't get it done and then you know over time I mean that was a hell of a hockey game that was two good teams going nose to nose that's the type of series I expected going into it expect the same uh, when we get back Back to the islands. They had a lot of momentum from the crowd. We fought through that, and that showed a lot of character for, for our group. So there you have it. We're 1-1 after two games right now. And, and it's not all sunshine and roses for the Islanders because heading into that third period, they had a 3-1 lead. And then you heard um, Coach talk about giving that away. Um, let, let's take a listen on the team uh, winning after giving up a two-goal lead in the third period. I thought they did a really good job. I mean, obviously, you know, they got that one goal and, and the crowds got some momentum and all that and they're going. And then uh, it was unfortunate. We, we took it too many men on the uh, the ice penalty. It just our forward didn't. The puck came into that area and the forward that jumped on, you know, you just got to watch that. And then the forward coming off touched the puck and, you know, we we, we didn't, weren't able to kill that. So had to call a timeout. Just said, listen, you got to forget about everything that, that we've done to this point because we've done a hell of a job. Uh, let's make sure that we take care of business. All we have to do is get the next goal and just make sure we're handling it and and they did now there have been a lot of question marks about what netminder to go with if you're barry trotz in the new york islanders and for game two they decided to go with the varlamov over sorokin well what was the rationale behind that coach it was a pretty easy decision. We have two really good goaltenders, but it was record. You know, he was 5-1. and one. His goals against, I think, was under two. He's a veteran. He's not scared of these moments, and he's been a rock for us all year. I mean, I hope he gets a, a, a ton of votes for, for Vesna, at least want to be a finalist, I, because he's been a, uh, you know, one of our MVPs this year. Well, he may be one of the Islanders' MVPs, but it turns out after the fact that... Um... Varlamov will, will not be up for the Vezina this year, not a finalist at least. Uh, more from Barry Trotz. It seems like the bigger the moment, the better team um, always comes out, and it seems to be the Islanders more often than not. Why is it that your team handles the big moments so well? 
To me, it's the people, it's the character. They're not scared of the hard work that has to go in. They're not scared of the commitment that has to go in. And they're not scared of the moment. And a little bit of a veteran group. I think both teams are pretty veteran groups. So, you know, these type of games, I think everybody's comfortable. And there's two teams that play very similar styles, have good character on both both sides, and have a lot of the same elements. And, uh, you know, it's 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 a, a, a physical game. I think there's probably a, close to 100 hits in that game, I would think. And and so you've got you've got to bring your you know some backbone and you got to bring some courage and the Islanders brought all of that up to Boston. So we're, we're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we'll get into game three about what went well and what went poorly for the Islanders. And I think any Islanders fan, I bet you if you ask the goaltender about what happened with that game winner, he would tell you that he really laid an egg on that one. So we'll, we'll hear from the particulars. We'll hear from Barry Trotz. Uh, and we're going to hear from Rick DiPietro, who promised to never come on the hockey show. But we will change that in just a moment. It's a Saturday morning. It's Rothenberg with you. It's the hockey show right here, uh, 98.7 ESPN. Good morning, hockey fans. Andy from Merrick with a special Islanders playoff trivia question. As the Islanders face off against the Bruins in round two of the playoffs, can you name the Islander goalie who holds the organization's single-season record with 38 wins? Back in a flash with your answer. Good morning, hockey fans. Andy from Merrick with a special Islanders playoff trivia question. Who holds the Islanders' single-season record with 38 wins? That would be current Bruin, Yaroslav Allah. Oh, that's right. It's the Hockey Show with Rothenberg right here on 98.7 ESPN. Now, we left you off almost like a cliffhanger, like the Brady Bunch when they would end an episode and then you wouldn't know what was going to happen when they went to Hawaii. What's going to happen with the tarantula? What's going to happen when they go visit the caves? Well, we left you off one game apiece between the Islanders and the Bruins. So if you don't know what happens, huh, this is the place for you. We'll get to that in just a moment. Again, this is Giveaway Central here. We have an autographed New York Islanders puck to give away. Very easy to enter. Just text ISLES, I-S-L-E-S. Again, that's ISLES to 44202. We'll select a winner at random and send you the signed puck all from your home for the hookup. Your good friends right here on 98.7 ESPN. So we're 1-1. Islanders lose game one. They win game two in overtime. We head back to the island Thursday night. Of this week. It's a fever pitch. The Coliseum has been without fans for so long, and now you have it jam packed, and Bobby Nystrom is at the game, and there's excitement all over the place. Well, at 552, and this seems to be a theme with the Islanders this postseason, they fall behind yet again. Craig Smith scores the goal, his second of the playoffs. Taylor Hall and Matt Grelchik on the assist. One nothing Bruins and it lasts like that for a long time all the way through the rest of the first period all the way through the second period and you start to have these thoughts they're going to get shut out by Tukarask in this game the Islanders are going to go meekly down one nothing in game three but Matt Barzell who has zero goals at the moment but at 1434 of the third period on Thursday night in game three the most important goal that he scored all season Long Barzell first of the postseason, Palmieri and Pollock with the assist, and we are now sitting here at 1 1. And then to make matters even better for the Islanders, with a little more than two minutes to go in regulation, uh, the Bruins pick up a penalty. Islanders go on the power play, they have chances, they cannot score, and we go to overtime. 
And early on in overtime, sadly, at 3.36, Brad Marchand with the goal, McAvoy and Bergeron with the assist, Islanders fall by the score of 2-1 to one in overtime. So games 2 and 3 have now gone to overtime. Islanders win 2, they lose 3, backs to the wall yet again, trailing this series 2-1 to one and losing that home ice advantage, which they worked so hard for, but they lose it quickly as this uh, series returns to the Coliseum. Now, my buddy, Rick DiPietro, he, he feels spurned. He feels upset. He was, he was not asked to host the hockey show. The powers that be here at 98.7 had other ideas, and it, it burns him. It upsets him, and he said, I will never be on the hockey show. We're going to remedy that right now. Because yesterday on DCR, Rick gave his reaction to Game 3, a very difficult Islanders loss. This is why they always talk about, you know, NHL playoffs, how awesome they are to watch. And sometimes, you know, all it takes is a is a hot goalie can be the difference in a series. Like, Varlamov was great last he night. He was awesome. Great last night. And he gave you every opportunity to get yourself back into the game. You finally did. And then even at the end of regulation, like I said, I mean, you had chances of a Beauvillier breakaway. Then you had a power play to finish off the third period. Mm-hmm. And Nelson's got a wide open shot in the slot. He shoots it high. And then, I mean, just it was a harmless looking play, too. It really was. I mean, it was, it was almost like it, it was below the circle almost. Like almost to the point where he's at the hash mark and he buries it far side, far side elbow. And it's like, what are you, what are we doing right now? You can't let up a goal like that. You go, when you're playing a team like the Bruins, you can't let up goals like that. You can't, you're not going to win. And and let's be fair. It it sounds, and it kind of looks like the Bruins uh, might be the better team through three games so far of this uh, series. When you have an opportunity and you you lock the game at 1-1, you have to finish off and you're at home and now you lose home ice and an all important game for tonight right here on 98.7 ESPN. So Rick said he'd never come on the show and we we changed that right there. Barry Trotz, who he loves the show, he listens weekly uh, on his team's performance in game three. I thought we were good for the first 30 minutes. I mean, they, they scored uh, off a little bit of a, you know, coming into D-zone coverage type thing. Um, on the, I think it was their first shot of the game. So we were trailing, but I thought uh, for the most part, we did a really good job. For the first 30 minutes, I thought we controlled a lot of stuff. And then uh, in the last sort of 10 minutes of the second period, we are pressing a little bit, and then they got a bunch of chances, uh, especially in the last about six, seven minutes, uh, they had uh, things going. And I thought third period, we were, we were fine. We got a big goal. Their power play, uh, you know, was, was scary tonight and and that's where Varley kept us in I mean it was one nothing their power play was looked really dangerous they had a lot of really good looks and uh, Varley you know kept us in the game and gave us a chance to get it tied up and then uh, you know give us a chance to win it in overtime and I thought our overtime period was really quite good I mean that was a as good a start as you're going to have in the in the overtime the thing that's got to be so frustrating for Trotz and the Islanders and Varlamov is that he was so good during that game, he, he was great when they were shorthanded. He was great for, for 60 plus minutes. He was sensational. And if he could have that goal back, my God, you heard Rick DiPietro mentioning it. That was just it was just a bad goal. Let, let's be fair about it. So after the bad goal, Barry Trotz, can Varlamov shake off that overtime goal? Yeah, his temperament's fine. I mean, that's a that's a seeing eye puck that uh, that hits a he's sort of almost a, a one a one inch hole with a six you know with a with a puck. It just that's a, a shot that he'll, he'll want back, but he'll he'll let it go and uh, no different than uh, you know he's done many many times before. You have to let it go. I mean, there's no two ways about it. it there are certain positions in sports, the quarterback, um, the goaltender, where you just have to have a short memory. And if you're Varlamov, you, you can't carry that over to game four. And I'm sure he, he probably wanted to get on the ice in the middle of the night uh, on Thursday into Friday. And l- let's go again. So he, he will have that opportunity 
later today, starting at 630 right here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, the old adage, and I, I'll remember this as a Ranger fan uh, distinctly, and I remember it forever. Rick Nash, and he would play well in the postseason, but he wouldn't score goals. And people would say, yeah, but he's so good shorthanded, and, and, and he helps the team win, and he plays well on the power play. But at some point, the great players need to produce. And it, it feels something similar with Matt Barzell right now. Barzell, no goals through the first um, series and through the first two games of this series against Boston. And that changed when he tied the game at 1-1 on Thursday night. Barry Trotz uh, after the game on um, what his star player happened to do. I thought he had lots of lots of jump in his game. He was uh, he, he was dangerous. Uh, we had some guys going tonight, and you know he was he was one of them. I thought Pavillier uh, had you know two breakaways. If we score there, there's. Uh, but I thought uh, Barzi's you know, overall game. I mean, he was he was he was dangerous all night. And he's got to find a way to put the puck in the net. You, you can't go nine games. Um in between goals for Matt Barzell. It's not a recipe for success for the Islanders. Uh, Islanders have been outshot in this series. Uh, Boston has been the busier team. You saw it in game one. We saw it distinctly uh, in game two. In game three, Boston uh, outshot the Islanders uh, 41 to 29. So Barry Trotz was asked, do you need to just put more pressure on, on Tuka Rask moving forward? Yes. Well, you have to. Let's play off hockey. We got, we're going to have to get in the interior. They're doing a good job against that. But yeah, absolutely. We're going to have to get a little greasier, a little, little uh, harder on him. He was good, and so was Varley. So they're, both teams are trying to do it. It's not as easy as it sometimes uh, looks. No, I don't think it looks easy at all. And you have to find a way to get more pressure on Rask, and you heard it. And it was an emphatic, you know, do you have to? And the answer was absolutely yes. So we've seen this before from the Islanders. We've seen them fall behind. They're a resilient bunch. They went on a major run last year. They, they you know, beat Philadelphia in a game seven. Uh, they're a terrific hockey team. They're a resilient hockey team. So it's no surprise that they're down in a series. And I don't think it's any surprise that the head coach is not panicked about it. Here's Barry Trotz on falling behind two games to one in this best of seven. Right now, you know, these are two teams that are, you know, let's just say what it is. They were fairly evenly matched. Uh, we're, we're playing nose to nose blue collar hockey. And it's it's going to, you know, it's not going to be easy. I mean, uh, the hard way is going to be the only way in this series. There's not going to be any. There was no easy ice, uh, especially in the first half of the game. There was no easy ice. You had to you had to fight and claw for every inch of uh, real estate out there. And uh, it was back and forth. And um, yeah, there's no panic. I mean, we were we we're in the same situation before. We'll just have to, you know. We'll look forward. We don't look back. We'll, we'll try to correct a couple things and uh, and then you know reset and go at it and go at it Saturday. We'll just need our best effort from everybody again. He's so comforting, isn't he? I mean, if that would be me behind the bench, I would have a nervous breakdown every time the other team scored and they lose a. I mean, let's be fair, a heartbreaking game by the final of two to one with a goal that the goaltender clearly wishes he had back, and the head coach is just so composed and relaxed. And I. I guess that's what great coaches are able to do, right? Is even in the biggest moments, keep their team composed and relaxed and not lose their composure. And and he really does a great job of that. And he says these two teams are evenly matched. I, I think it's fair. Listen, I think the Bruins look like the better team. But for argument's sake, you're 2-2 you're going into the third period in game one. And game two and three go to overtime. So these two teams really are very evenly matched. Oh, do we have a surprise for you? You can go nowhere because the surprise is coming next. It's the Hockey Show on a Saturday morning. Rothenberg with you right here. Where else would you be but 98.7 ESPN? And it is 
the Hockey Show Saturday morning with you right here on 98.7 ESPN. Let's bring him in. I mean, the man that represents hockey here at ESPN, and that is the talented, wonderful Barry Melrose. Good morning, Barry. How are you? Thank you very much for the intro. I appreciate that. Absolutely. We only speak the truth here on the Hockey Show on 98.7 ESPN. So, uh, Game 4 for the Islanders coming up tonight. Uh, th- this You have to say, this is the biggest game of the season for this club, right? The Islanders cannot afford to lose Game 4 and think they're going to rattle off three straight wins against the Boston Bruins. No, you're right. Uh, they know it, too. Uh, the numbers bear it out. Once once you get to that to three losses, uh, you know, it's very hard to uh, get back into it with with that many losses, and then, you know, the numbers say that you end up losing. So uh, they're a very good hockey club. Uh, they've got a great story. Uh, you know, a lot of good things happening for the team. But uh, you're exactly right. they got to win the next game. And, and uh, you know, Boston knows that too. Um, Boston knows that we can make this a relatively short series with a, with a couple of wins, or we can make it a very long series with a couple losses. So uh, it, it should be, you know, one of the better games we've had in the playoffs. Two excellent hockey teams, well-coached, uh, playing well. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I think it, it, it's going to be a fun fun game to watch, fun series to watch. Are these evenly matched teams, or in your mind has Boston looked slightly better in the first three games of the series? Maybe maybe slightly better, but I, I think a lot of that is their power play. Boston's power play is awesome. That um, you know, Bergeron, uh, Marchant, uh, Pasternak line is great. Now they've got that second line, the Krejci line uh, with Smith and uh, and uh, Taylor Hall. That's starting to score. It was making a better club um, defensively. A little shallow. They they got some injuries and they don't have a lot of depth on defense. Uh, the Islanders have, a, I, I think, a much better defense in Boston. But uh, goaltending, you know, could say it's a push. Uh, goal last night. Wasn't a good goal, but uh, I, I tell you, Marshawn, he just he just does things. That line, Bergeron, him, they just do things. They they get things done on the ice, and they play great defensive hockey, offensive hockey, uh, and and that's Boston's strength is their depth. But they're, they're very evenly matched. Uh, uh, like I'll be surprised if this isn't a seven game series. Well, you think it goes all, all the way? So you, then you think the Islanders win this game tonight at the Coliseum and send it back to Boston two two then? Yeah, I, I think so because they have to. And, and uh, if you remember game two, it was basically the same thing. They had to win. You couldn't fall down two games to nothing. Uh, you needed that win. So uh, I, I do think the Islanders could have won last night. Both this series could be over, you know, <laughs> with these two teams. So, uh, But I, I do expect a long series. I, I, I don't see any reason to think all of a sudden the, uh, the New York Islanders are going to fall flat in their face and throw a clunker at us. I think they're going to play a great game. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you because you, you know what it is? And it's the word that you love using around certain teams in sports. They're so resilient. Like every single time their backs are to the wall and they're so well coached, they, they, they come out swinging and they find a way. So I do tend to agree with you that the Islanders find a way to win this game. But it's a great word. I mean, if, if someone can say about a team that you're coaching or a team that you're playing on, you're tremendously resilient. I can't think of a much better compliment. Uh, there, there are a lot of words you choose, uh, but uh, resilient is a great word. It means you never quit. It means you're always in it, and that's that's uh, the Islanders. They're always in it. They never they never give up. They overcome injuries. You know, really, uh, Tavares leaving made the made them a better team. It's crazy to say that, but you know that's resilient. When you can lose your best player and one of the best players in the league, and you become a better team. Like the Islanders are like that, and. Uh, 
you got to give it to Barry Trotz and his staff. Uh, they just they just work hard. They get back on the ice. They, if there's an injury, the next guy up plays more, and it always works out for them. and never falls flat in their face. So uh, they and and they're just they got four lines. Uh, another reason they can be resilient is they got so much depth that they uh, you know guys don't get tired. You got four lines. Everyone plays. Everyone's part of the team. Um, they got uh, you know seven, eight defensemen. They got a number of goaltenders. So uh, they're a team that uh, that is never out of it because they have so many players in it. And they're a terrific hockey team. Barry Melmore was with us here on ninety eight seventy ESPN. It is the hockey show. Dave Rothenberg with you on a Saturday morning. Um, what needs to change, if anything at all, for you in the first three games from the first three games for the Islanders moving forward uh, tonight, game four and beyond, for them to come away with the victory in this series? I just, I just think they have to be the Islanders. I, I, I love the way they play. Uh, the games are close, and and you just, you know, and and really, Boston have they have a lot of the same attributes. Uh, you know, they, they got depth. They got great. Their offensive players can play defense. Uh, you know, they they overcome injuries. They've had a ton of defense injuries, and yet they just keep throwing one kid in the lineup after another kid in the lineup. Uh, Carlo gets hurt last night. Uh, he's he's had concussion problems before. I, I can't believe he's not going to miss some time because uh, he got hit hard in the boards. Uh, so I, I just I just think that the uh, uh, the Islanders will, uh, will will pull together and and uh, uh, get that game of theirs going and and probably win a a low scoring two one game or uh, maybe three uh, three you know going into double overtime, something like that. So uh, I, I think uh, we're due for one of those, as a matter of fact, with these two teams and a, and a nice long one. I, I, I'm not looking forward that I love it because that means that we're here till 3 or 4 in the morning <laughs> uh, doing our show. But, uh, you know, it'll be, it'll be a great game. There's no doubt about that. I don't, I don't think the Islanders fan would, would love a double overtime, and certainly not if that doesn't come away with a victory. Those are, are stressful moments, as you certainly know. Uh, Matt Barzell scores uh, his first goal of the postseason the other night. How big is that for him? How big is that for this team? Because I can't imagine that they're going to go on a, an extended run and not have him putting the puck in the net. No, I agree. It, uh, some guys some guys need that. Um, uh, you know, David Krejci has the same thing with Boston. He needs to put a, a couple pucks in. He's a great player and a very important player in the Boston Bruins, but he hasn't been able to score. Last night, Valamont made an unbelievable save on it from the slot. Uh, Barzell is, is uh, it, it, well, it shows it's the good news, bad news. The good news is uh, Barzell scored his first goal. The bad news is Barzell scored his first goal. Yep. He should have six or seven. And uh, but that you know that's what a guy that's what those guys need. Those goal scorers need. They need success. They need to get rewarded for shooting. They need to get rewarded for working their butts off. Uh, and uh, and Barzell uh, got rewarded. He made a great play behind the net. Trapped a couple defensemen on the wrong side came in the short side and, and jammed it in. So it, it showed a lot of character. It showed a lot of talent. It showed some, some guts. And uh, obviously it was a huge goal. So uh, that's, you know, and, and it's good to be part of the success. You know, uh, you, you hate to say it, but you're on, you're on a team. Even if you win or even if you lose, uh, you know, some guys need that uh, reinforcement. They need that pat in the back. And, uh, you know, I, I think Barzell got that last night. I think the guys, you could see, were genuinely happy that he scored the goal. 
that's a good sign. And uh, uh, I, I, I agree with you. I just can't believe that he's going to go and, and go seven or eight games without a goal again because he was flying around pretty good last night. Yeah, he's looked uh, really, really good a lot of this postseason. So Barry Melrose with us here Saturday morning, 98.7 uh, ESPN. L- let me throw this one at you. A couple of Rangers questions. We'll let you get on your way. Um, h- how surprised were you that the Rangers, I mean, for lack of a better term, really cleaned house at the end of the season? Well, I, I, I shocked. Um, you know, they uh, they uh, that, that it took two t- two firing uh, uh, days to get the job done. Uh, you had so many guys you were firing, you had to do it in two days. Um, you know, I, I think it caught you know John Davidson. Uh, that was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, you know, because uh, their plan. Remember, they had the plan. They sent out the envelope, uh, the letter. Sure, and, and we have an idea. Of what and, and, and it was working. I thought it was working. They, they drafted very well. They got some breaks, like uh, getting uh, the, the kid first overall. Uh, they got young goaltenders. They got a lot of young talent. So I thought I thought the plan was working good. And then, and then uh, you know, all of a sudden, uh, no, plan's no good. And everyone's gone. So uh, I, I was I was shocked. I thought that I thought that you know the the plan they had was working and and that team could be a very good team within a couple of years in the NHL, no doubt about that. But you still feel like that, right? You still feel like the Rangers are, are, are heading in the right direction and, and if they make the right hire at head coach. and Well, let me ask you that, make it a kind of a two-part question here. Who do you think is the right guy, or do you, do you not know? And, and secondly, if you get the right head coach in place and you make a, a couple of moves here and there, you, you love what the Rangers are, are looking like for the future, right? Well, first off, coaching, um, I... I, I, I I don't have a guy offhand. If you go with a young, uh, you just had a young coach out of college uh, with Quinn. Uh, do you go back to that route uh, to get another young coach out of college, uh, or do you go uh, and get an established head coach? There's lots of those guys out there. Uh, a lot of those guys out there. Uh, and and uh, do you want to do that? You know, those guys have, you know had success. You know, you look at Barry Trotz. Uh, they've had success, uh, so the, I think that's going to be what what will determine a lot of what happens is is the type of coach you hire. So uh, that's the one thing, and and then uh, I think yeah, this team could be. I think it definitely is a playoff team. If the season starts next week, I think it's a playoff team. I think it's I think it's that deep, that good, that talented. Um, they could make some deals in the off season. Uh, to add a few things, but I, I like their team a lot. So uh, I, I think, yeah, I think that uh, it, w- it wouldn't be it wouldn't be that hard for to visualize the Rangers being the best team in New York very very quickly. Oh, that sounds delightful to the Rangers fan and me in particular. Last one, Barry. I always appreciate the time. Um, Shifley on Winnipeg. I mean, you, you watch it, and every time you watch it, it feels like it's worse and worse and worse. Uh, he gets a four game suspension. How, I mean, you, you must have been horrified watching that play the other night. Well, I've seen a lot of stuff in my uh, in my years in, in hockey. Uh, every league, uh, there's a lot of a lot of stories about vicious hits and things like that. But the the, the game's different now. Uh, that that hit can't be to- tolerated. It it uh, it was a it was vicious. Even uh, uh, Tom Reese called it a very heavy, heavy, heavy uh, check. And that that's a new term that the NHL has now. That means you know. Uh, tough. It means hard. It means uh, uh, a very, very uh, physical uh, knight, a very physical player. But uh, the thing about uh, this is Shifley is Winnipeg's best player. 
you know, Nazim Padre got eight games, and he's 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 not a, a great player right now for Colorado. He doesn't get much ice time, but Shifley is the best player on the uh, Winnipeg uh, Jets. So it's a very very tough uh, loss for Winnipeg. It could easily easily uh, have the season over for them before Shifley is done with his suspension. But uh, you have to do it. Uh, it was, uh, uh, you know, all the things they talked about, the charging, the going, you know, half the length of the ice to make contact. I, I thought it was some contact on the head. Uh, I didn't see Shifley play the puck. I just saw him play the body, target the man. Uh, so I, I have no problem with the four games. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, uh, it's such a touchy time right now with all the stuff going on. Just a couple of weeks ago, Tavares. Uh, got uh, got that freaky injury with Corey Perry's uh, uh, knee pad hit him and, and knocked him out of the uh, uh, playoffs. So uh, it, it, it's a tough loss for Winnipeg, but the NHL had to do it, and I, I had no problem with four games. Yeah, absolutely. Felt like it was certainly warranted. Barry, great stuff. Enjoy the postseason. I know you will, and hopefully you didn't talk it into um, into uh, happening that you get a double overtime with the Islanders uh, and the Bruins <laughs> in Game 4. I appreciate a couple minutes. Thanks so much. We have overtime every night, so no problem. Every night. Well, it's your lack of sleep time of the season. All right, good stuff. We appreciate it. That, of course, is Barry Melrose. Quick break, come back, get you ready for games four, five, six, and maybe seven of the Islanders and the Bruins. It's a Saturday morning. Rothenberg with you on the Hockey Show right here on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, that's right. It's the Hockey Show. Rothenberg with you right here on 98.7 ESPN. And you could argue... I think it's fair to say tonight is the biggest game up to the moment that the Islanders have played all year. You're going to have it right here, 630-987 ESPN. Because let's be fair, even the biggest Islanders fan in the world, if they lose this game tonight and fall behind three games to one, needing to win five in Boston, six at the Coliseum, and then a game seven in Boston, even the biggest Islanders fan in the world can't look at that and say, yeah, you know what? That's a task that we can easily tackle. So tonight becomes the biggest game of the year. And listen, that changes. You you win this game tonight and you're 2-2 and you trail 3-2. Of course, it changes. Or you're 3-3 going into a game seven. But they played 56 games, six games in the, in the first round, and then so far three in the second round. Tonight is the biggest game the Islanders have seen the entire season. So tonight, 6-30 right here, 98-7 ESPN game four. Game five. And I think you might need to take some notes for this one. So let me explain how Game 5 is going to work on Monday. Okay? The game is on both. It's simulcast, 98.70 ESPN and 10.50 AM. Okay? But if you want to hear the pregame show, it's only going to be heard 6 o'clock to 6.30 on 10.50 AM. We'll join the game in progress right at 6.30 at the conclusion of the Michael K. Show. So 6.30, you can hear the game on 98.70 ESPN or 10.50. If you want the pregame show from 6 to 6.30, that's on 10.50 AM. I got to be honest. I think I explained that very, very well. Uh, game six, if necessary, and I know the Islanders fan is saying it better be necessary, Wednesday, 6.30, right here on 98.7 ESPN. And then could we get the best few words in all of sports? Game 7 in the NHL. That would be next Friday, six days from now, 6.30, right here on 98.7 ESPN. I'll ask you some questions about the upcoming schedule in just a couple moments to make sure 
uh, that in fact you were paying very, very close attention. So Rangers always in the news. Uh, the search continues for a head coach. Mike Richter was actually on the gun show um, earlier this week, and he's a very thoughtful guy, was asked about who he thinks the next head coach of the Blue Shirts might be. I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, you, you still have to have somebody. I think Quinn and his staff were really good about teaching, and you have to do that. I mean, these are still young guys, and they have to develop. You, you know, there's not a, a group of 30-year-old veterans that know how to play and that aren't listening to anybody, and they're going to go out and do their thing. They're still developing and figuring out what it means to be a professional, and um, that, that kind of guidance really is, is crucial. And I think as the team gets more poised and, and seasoned, they'll bring older players in and that really makes a difference you see you know Toronto's doing the same thing you have a Joe Thornton in the locker room um, these are mentors they, they you can't have enough of those things look man Adam Graves uh, Brian Leach Zubov myself we learned so much from the Kevin Lowe's and the McTavish's and, and, and the Mark Messier's that came in a locker room you have to do it as a team you know the coaching staff can only do so much you have to start to figure it out as a player and having older guys that have been through it massively important so, so there is, I mean, one, one of the great netminders in the history of the New York Rangers, and that 94 Cup team goes down. And I was at every single postseason game in 94. was some of the best. I mean, I've been to events all over the place, uh, some of the best sporting events I've ever been to. That game seven, like, and, and you say against the Vancouver, great. Winning the cup, unbelievable. I always remember McTavish and, and you know, winning the last faceoff and Larmer, you know, uh, forechecking into the boards when the clock read zero. But that game, against the Devils in Game 7. And that's on the heels of Messier guaranteeing a win in Game 6. And if you remember in Game 6, the Rangers actually trailed 2 to nothing late stages of the second period. And I believe it was Kovalev that scored the goal to cut it to 2-1. to one. And then Messier scores 3 in the third, and the Rangers win it 4-2. to two. I'll be honest with you. As, as the Rangers trailed 2 nothing, and it felt like every single shift, and it's another 2-on-1 for the Devils, I was almost in tears. I couldn't take another year of not winning the cup. And Richter, my God, did he stand on his head. But he was sensational. And that, that entire run is one of the great runs you'll see uh, in the history of sports. So that's Mike's uh, take on where the Rangers may go and bringing a little veteran influence uh, to this team and how much it helped him back in the day. So I don't even know if a lot of people know about this. The, the NHL draft lottery uh, took place earlier this week. And the winner of the draft lottery, according to NBC Sports Network. Here they are, tells us who wins it. The first overall selection in the 2021 NHL draft and the winner of the 2021 draft lottery is the Buffalo Sabres. Oh, so the Sabres with the top overall selection, and my God, do they need it. Uh, Followed by the Seattle Kraken. They're going to be picking second. I'll run through a couple of picks here. Anaheim Ducks third. Local flavor, the Devils fourth. A little more local flavor, Columbus fifth, because remember, J.D. is running things now uh, with the Blue Jackets. Detroit goes six. San Jose seven. The L.A. Kings eight. Vancouver 9, we stay north of the border, it's Ottawa 10, Chicago 11, Calgary 12, Flyers 13, Stars 14, and it's surprising that the Rangers go 15 because they're pretty much accustomed to picking one, but the Rangers uh, round out the teams that did not make it to the postseason, and the Blue Shirts will pick 15th overall. Let's hear from Sabres GM Kevin Adams on the process of picking number one where there's really not a top player heading into this draft. It's a great question and it's to me a really critical part of any decision um, you make to be honest, not just 
this big, you know, number one overall pick decision. But I, I think it's really important to have debate, understand different um, thoughts from different people. And, and what I mean by debate is, is healthy questioning of each other and not being afraid to be able to back up opinions, you know, that scouts have for reasons and then to challenge them on that. And then they push back. I think that's really a good thing, Mike. So you're right. You know, there's a, there's a number of players at the top of this draft to, to work our way through. And, and I'm looking forward to that process. You know, I said earlier on the, the national call that I really enjoyed the amateur process last year. I really enjoyed going through that, um, you know, kind of learning about the different players and projecting and, and you know, you guys know these are 18 year olds. You're, you're not just looking at next year. You're projecting um, what you think they can turn into three, four five years down the road. And that's <laughs> that's a certainly a challenging part of this job. Well, Kevin Adams may love the challenge. I'm sure the Sabres fan is looking at this, you know, panic that there's no surefire number one. And where do we go? And we've had uh, such a lack of success over uh, so many years now at this point. All right, again, let's recap it. Game four tonight, 6.30, ESPN. Game five, you can hear it both on 98.7 ESPN and 10.50 a.m. starting uh, at 6 o'clock over on 10.50 for the pregame show and on uh, 98.7 ESPN right here following the K-Show at 6.30. Game six, if necessary, Wednesday, 6.30 on 98.7. And game seven, another if necessary, Friday, 6.30 right here on 98.7 ESPN. We will, in fact, be back with you for at least... One more week next Saturday morning. Are the Islanders alive? Is it a wrap to the season? You're going to have to tune in to find out. Thanks, of course, as always, to our coordinating producer, uh, Andy from Merrick, the great, sensationally talented Anthony Pusick, and the great Raymond Dinahan as well. I'll be back with you at 9 o'clock this morning as we get into the Knicks and all sorts of stuff uh, regarding the world of sports. Joe Wiz is next. Enjoy it on 98.7 ESPN.